0: You're listening to The Career Coach Podcast, bringing you information, lived experiences and all-round career conversation. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Career Coach Podcast. I am your host, Sharisha, and I'm back again with another episode and, of course, an amazing guest. But before we get into all of that, please remember I've got a new segment coming up called Ask the Coach, which gives you the opportunity to send in your career-related questions and I'm gonna be joined by career coaches and coaches from all different industries. And we are gonna be able to answer those questions for you. So you can send your voice note with your career related question to at podcast on Instagram, or you can go on the Anchor app and also send me a voice note there. So I would like to welcome to today's show, Charla. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. How are you? I'm good. As good as
1: you can be in these times, but um, we keep moving, you know?
0: Yes, we do indeed. We do indeed. As long as you're staying safe, that's all that matters. Exactly. Yeah. So, can you introduce yourself and what you do for your career?
1: Yeah. So, I'm Charlotte Tahira. I am a presenter. I'm a producer. Sometime DJ. Haven't been for a while because of a pandemic life mm. um I also teach I'm a qualified teacher uh, so I run workshops and I always forget something and I manage two brands uh one being odd motion which is about training and development in media and one being badass mums which is a bit of a community that also has its own podcast series as well
0: yes a lot of stuff there so we're going to definitely get into all of that good <laughs> stuff so before we start and um get into that How, where like where did you grow up and like where did your interest in presenting actually start from
1: so i grew up in southeast london lewisham
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> very proud of my lewisham upbringing um i had uh, we grew up poor but i had a really great childhood as far as like friends and community um, I've got a lot of siblings so we were always out on our bikes and stuff and my interest in presenting I would say started probably um, like as a teenager I, I initially loved acting um, mm. and I kind of noticed that as much as I loved acting people always got me to like talk for them or like within school I was always the one passing notes or trying to lead the class so so I really love like being like the person leading the conversation Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I got to year nine and you have to choose between all your subjects it was media or drama and I thought I'm gonna pick media yeah Mm -hmm. let's try this even though back then media was like making a a magazine cover it wasn't like presenting (laughs) (laughs) but um Yeah, I I picked media with the thought of, oh, I think I could do like presenting for a living. Mm. Um, And I used to wake up with Fern Cotton on a show called Dig It on Saturday mornings. I
0: remember that show. Yeah, Yeah.
1: (laughs) I really loved Fern on that. So that's what kind of sparked my, oh, is is this a job? Can you do this?
0: And at the time, when you said, you obviously mentioned Fern Cotton. So for you then, as like being a black female growing up, was you like, kind of thinking okay where would I sit in this industry or was you just thinking no I'm, I find this interesting I want to find out how I can do it
1: I mean it's really weird because when me and my sister was younger this is something I've reflected on as an adult mm. we didn't really have that she's a white blonde female and I'm a black female like it was kind of like oh she's doing it, I'm gonna do it yeah um and it's only in hindsight now, like, looking back as an adult, I'm like, wow, there was no representation back then. Mm. Um, but then as I got a bit older, you had, like, your Angelica Bell and your June Sarpong, and my mum loves Oprah, like, absolutely loves Oprah, so I always grew up seeing Oprah. So it was weird that I didn't really make that link between... Oh, there's no one like me doing it. I was just like, I'm gonna be the next fern,
0: Mm. even though Fern looked
1: nothing like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a bit delusional. (laughs) But
0: then again, maybe just because you were so passionate that you didn't really see that as a you know an obstacle.
1: Obstacle. Yeah, I'm
0: saying. So yeah, there's something about that as well. So like you obviously mentioned about your teaching career now. So other than doing media, did you study anything further to kind of develop your skills in presenting?
1: So I never specifically studied, like, broadcasting. Mm -hmm. Um, Even when I was at college, I studied performing arts. And then when I went to university, I studied drama, film, and TV. But it was while I was at uni, I did student radio. And that's where I was like, this is definitely Mm -hmm. my thing. Like, I mean, we was wild on that. I'd hate to hear about those shows. (laughs) We used to be swearing and just playing dirty tracks and everything. (laughs) But... Just like having a show, like a weekly show, and having a chat with the students and playing music. Like, I really got a kind of like the they call it the radio bug.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's when I was like, okay, so if I was going to do presenting, I think this is my way in Mm. radio. And then also before that I, my mum says when I was younger I used to like host the talent shows in our family like in the front room <laughs> so any charts to kind of like lead the show like I was always up for it whether that it was like, like was in front of a live audience or like on the radio when I was at uni
0: yeah and even yeah. just like, like obviously you've mentioned from a child to obviously being a presenter involves a lot of confidence so would you say then it's something that really kind of natural instincts or if someone is introvert do you think they could if they had the passion for presenting get the skills and the ability to like start to develop that confidence in you know in front of speaking to people and that kind of thing
1: yeah it's a weird one my dad is um he's native american and he grew up in america and he's a typical loud mouth chatterbox america you know the ones you see on the training like oh not everyone needs to hear your conversation (laughs) like tone it down so i definitely get that side of my character from him because my mum's a complete opposite she's an introvert he's a proper extrovert and the confidence thing's funny because i was always very confident meeting new people and talking to new people and i'm very good at like adapting to a new environment but actually self-confidence in like my parents and what I'm saying and like so my opinions and things like that that you'd assume a presenter has that's only I would say come to me in the last two or three years and it even still is like an ongoing battle mm. with my self-confidence it's weird how I if you put me in front of a thousand people I'll happily talk to them but then if you ask me like What's, what's the best thing about your yourself or what do you think about this I always second guess my answer and get a bit like uh-huh. it's mm. about me now so my confidence is a bit smaller whereas when it's about someone else or showcasing something else that came really naturally to me
0: mm. so do you think then it's like kind of like a, a different persona you're able to tap into like a different not a character because it's obviously a part of your characteristics but presenting is like kind of is like your shield then it's not so personal is that why you think you can do what you do
1: yeah because when you're presenting it's never normally about you it's about someone else like an artist or an actress or a topic so you kind of have that bit of detachment um whereas when people like even the other day I had to take some like press pics and unless it's a selfie I'm I I get so nervous being like the center focus it's just about you and you have to pose and like it just doesn't come natural to me and because my self-confidence has taken such a long time to build that that there's some presenters who are really self-confident and it's great Mm. but for me that part of my confidence is still ongoing and yeah, I think whenever I'm in my presenter hat, it's always about what I'm presenting, not yeah. about me.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting that you say that, because I guess the assumption is when you see someone on like tv or maybe doing events and stuff like that you just assume wow they've got a lot of confidence like even just hearing that because I guess a lot of people can resonate with that that you know there's other things that we have as personal insecurities that we're still dealing with and we're building although the job that we might do may seem glamorous that you know we're still human and I think that's something that needs to be spoken about more because especially with like the media and social media and all these things you know it can um it can affect people's mental health and stuff like that. Um, So it's nice to hear, not not nice to hear that you're going through insecurities, but it's nice for you to share it because I think it makes you more personal to other people, they can relate to that. But, you know, even when you talk about confidence, then what kind of situation have you ever experienced where, (laughs) yeah, you felt very uncomfortable whether you've been interviewing someone or in a position where you're like, "Mm, actually, yeah, this is a bit awkward and my confidence isn't, you know, 100%.
1: Uh, oh it always gets me really nervous when um my guests and this is again this links to that self-confidence flip the interview and start trying to interview me and I'm like I'm not here to answer your questions <laughs> leave me alone <laughs> or like with male uh more like in the music industry male artists when they start like trying to overly flirt like I don't mind a bit of banter but like overly make sexual comments and things like that or I see mm-hmm. them like as I'm walking in to interview them, there they're sizing me up, and I'm like, oh my god! Like now I have to sit down and be professional with you. Yeah.
0: Um.
1: So yeah, just things I think more relating to being a female presenter, I've had little struggles where I'm just like, you are coming for me right now, and I'm just trying to be professional and do my job. Leave yeah. me alone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and have you ever even been in that kind of situation where you're just like thinking I'm starstruck? Like this is someone that I may have, you know, admired. Before, or you know, you listen to their music or something, and you're just thinking, why wow, I'm actually interviewing them."
1: Yeah, I will never forget because it was quite early on in my career. I got offered to go to the Anchorman 2 premiere and do the red carpet, and Megan Good, really, Megan Good. I got to interview, and as she came over, I was like, "Hi, oh Megan." Um, and my interview was trash with her it was trash <laughs> but I didn't care because I got to meet her I've grown up watching her on all the movies mm-hmm. and, and like as a black female CNA, because obviously with the cast of Anger 2 it's not that diverse so mm-hmm. it was really funny everyone really wanted to interview the other guys and I was like no Megan, Megan. Um, and she was so lovely as well like she was really like humble and like Oh, I, I remember leaving there I was like on cloud nine like mm-hmm. life was made if nothing else had happened for me after that it would have been fine because yeah. and then just another one Marlon Waynes uh, because I grew up with like my wife and kids and the Waynes mm-hmm. brothers and he again he was such a nice humble funny guy like, genuinely funny guy and it was just nice to kind of meet someone who I've seen as like a a real celebrity
0: yeah yeah
1: sitting down having a normal chat with me for an interview so yeah those are my two like standout moments yeah
0: yeah yeah that that must be actually kind of um a bit nerve-wracking as well like when you get told that you're going to be interviewing this person like how do you mentally prepare for that like especially if it's someone that you you know you like yourself
1: yeah, I think always afterwards, I will tell them that I, by the way, I'm a massive fan. Like <laughs> I'll get through the interview. and I'm a massive fan of yours. But I think for me, it's exciting because it's, it's like a bit of a dream come true. It's this person who you've been watching for so long and you finally get to ask them all these questions that you've had. Um, I still don't forget like the listener in mind like what does the listener want to know but if I want to throw in the personal question that I'm like I just need to know this <laughs> <There you laughs> <Because are. laughs> I've seen you for so long um, I'll definitely ask that and even with like UK artists that's happened sometimes uh, where it's like oh I've been listening to your music for ages and now I'm actually sitting down and talking to you about this lyric that really touched me and yeah it's it's really nice it's yeah. nice I think just be prepared because once you really research when you're going into an interview, even if you're nervous, you will still do a good interview because mm. you know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Preparation is key. It is. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're listening to the Career Coach podcast, bringing you information, lived experiences, and all-round career conversation. One main thing, obviously, with presenting is you're you're using your voice. So. How did you like develop the clarity and the way you speak, especially with radio? Because we can't see you. Well, sometimes, obviously, now people use visuals and stuff, but obviously, radio predominantly is just your vocals. Like, yeah, do you actually have training, vocal training, or anything like that?
1: Um, so I've recently just like been working with a voice coach, but that's more for like voiceover work. Okay. I think the main thing with presenting is uh, finding your natural energy level so when I first started everything was like I used to talk up here like all the time (laughs) to the point where there's no there's no light and shade like there's no variety you can't be excited about everything all the time yeah
0: yeah
1: so I think it's about finding your natural level of energy um and at first that was I had to stand up two hour shows I had to stand up for the whole show because otherwise as soon as I sat down I would feel I'd sound really like flat Mm. so it's finding your natural energy level to where you're still engaging but you're not shouting or you're not like over projecting I think that's one important thing and listening back to yourself I used to listen back to for the first I used to do five shows a week two hour shows and I used to listen back to every single show and like, really? yeah i was so obsessed with it because i i like criticism i feed off that like i like to keep improving and i would note down words right now my go-to words my, like so when your brain's trying to talk when you're trying to talk and your brain's thinking of something else you have these go-to filler words and mine at the moment so but it used to be and and I used to drag out the word and or I used to go really high at the end of my sentences um so it's about listening back and just noting down oh that didn't sound great or, or the way you phrased that or you sounded really nervous going into that and making those little improvements listening back is so important um and then just the obvious stuff like I've got out raving the night before and then gone and hosted the show and I sound like trash because <laughs> I've <laughs> lost my voice screaming. So yeah. if you know you've got a big gig coming up, like just try and don't have any arguments with anyone. Keep your voice rested. Honey's amazing as well.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's uh it's true actually because I, I was listening to something the other day and they said that like Beyonce, when especially when she's got concerts and stuff, she practices for 16 hours or something crazy like that a day. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's true for you to get to that level of excellency, you have to master your craft. And if it means spending hours on hours to get to that greatness, then that's kind of what you have to do, especially if you're trying to make it as a career, because you mm-hmm. be, being mediocre is not really going to make you stand out from the crowd. So, yeah, I think that's um, some good tips there. So even in regards to like your career with teaching, then when did you establish that you wanted to. Be able to teach what you've learned so far in your career.
1: um I've always really been passionate about like the next generation. I think my first kind of mentoring happened when I was fourteen, mm-hmm. uh, where I just casually did it through like a company called the Albany, a theatre in Deptford, and I was just doing little workshops and supporting. So I've always been really conscious about, um, and everyone would tell you even before I was a mum, like. Charlotte's like the mom of the group, <laughs> so I've always been that kind of nurturing personality. And then when I got into radio, um, after a couple of years of doing it, the station I was working at said, "Oh, we've got some like shifts where you could like do workshops with some of the kids." And it was only once I started doing that more formally, and I was like, "These guys are great!" And like some of my students now, they've surpassed me, like. They're like on bigger networks. They're doing bigger, like they're amazing what they're doing now. And I just loved that thought that like, I was the, they will say like, Charlotte was the first person who introduced me to radio. So I was doing it kind of like on and off freelance. And then I got to a point where um, the industry had knocked me a bit, to be honest. And I was a bit fed up and I was like, what else? This, This is all I've been doing for the last like four years. What else can I do? And that's when I said, okay, do you know what? you need a backup plan because this industry is fickle. And I went and got my PGCE and and done it like part-time while still like working, producing, presenting and stuff. Um, And then I actually took a gap from the industry completely and went and became a full-time teacher at a place called the Global Academy, where I was like a proper teacher. And if any of my old teachers, they'll be like, (laughs) what? (laughs) <laughs> what is she doing teaching but just shows when, when you're passionate about something I was teaching radio so when you're passionate about teaching and passionate about something you can do it in any sort of way yeah and so I did that for a couple of years uh like literally that was my nine to five parents evenings it was wild um but I missed the live studio yeah um, yeah 2019 end of 2019 2020 that's when I was like I need to get back Back to this because I actually really miss it and teaching now I've got my qualification it's something I can go back to down the line yeah. and even teachers were telling me you, you should still be in the industry what are you doing here like this is for when you're close to retirement you come and teach so <laughs> yeah
0: yeah at the same time as well we're inspired by when we see something or someone that resembles where we come from or do you know do you know what I mean so the fact mm. that you're still you fall and you have that access to the industry that's the insight that we need into education because otherwise it becomes boring and people are uninspired so I I don't believe you have to be old I think it's nice to see teachers that are still young and willing to like engage because what you know versus probably someone in their like late 60s 70s you know is going to be completely different so and you're obviously still close to the industry so you bring in that knowledge that's fresh so I think that it's good that you actually from some teaching, actually, because um maybe those students wouldn't have been where they are now if they were relying on someone that was a bit more like, you know, out of touch with the industry and stuff like that. And
1: cynical. The other media teacher was so cynical. Oh, my god! <laughs> but that's why I still do that like workshops or like private training with companies, because I still miss it. Like I still love that kind of interaction and just excitement, that pure joy and because I because I remember when I first started, that was me. So, yeah, it's, it's seeing my, a bit of myself in them and I still like to do it, just not as a full-time job with parents' evenings and stuff. And yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: trust it's me, I've, I've worked in um, education for years and I think you, you love, the bit that you love is inter- engaging with your students, but like anything kind yeah. of outside of that, any marking, any of the late evenings and yeah. But you, I, again, you obviously get all the holidays off, which is a bonus to some extent. But yeah. so
1: much it so much of it is that the other stuff is not with the students. That's what I realized because I went from private training that proper like school education. This is their GCSEs, their A levels. I was like, wow, I didn't realize how easy private training was. Yeah in comparison. Yeah. Yeah, like when
0: you do like workshops and stuff like that, it's a lot more interactive and engaging. But yeah, when you do the actual proper, like you're a teacher in the education system, there's so much red tape. I think that's what took the joy away from me because I wanted to do a piece EGC before I did my masters in coaching. And I think because of that experience that I had working in education, I I was a bit torn between okay, what I really want to do and what the system is gonna make me do. And mm-hmm. it kind of like mm-hmm. yeah, it kind of was a bit like yeah, maybe coaching's more down my kind of um avenue. But um, you mentioned, obviously, about you kind of taking a break from the industry then. Um, going back a little bit, when you, when you kind of, like, started realising this is what you want to do, you're at uni, you're doing the radio station there. How, when and how did you get your first gig then outside of that?
1: So I, after uni finished, well, in third year, I did a placement at Hayes FM, which okay. was, like, the local community station. And that definitely taught me like some of the basic skills of the other side so not just like (laughs) on student radio where we plug in our ipad and and have a chat like it was how actually stations run and and, like shows work and then i went off to do camp america came back realized oh my god like what am i gonna do
0: like (laughs) how do you actually do this i actually wanted to how was that
1: Awesome, mate. it was like the best summer of my life really? if you like working with children because otherwise you'll hate it yeah
0: because yeah. some
1: people wanted to do it just for a holiday and it's not a holiday like it's not <laughs> but it was like in the top three summers of my life like such a great experience um the culture shock even even like just missing home and really appreciating like my comforts that I'd never realized because I'm so many people get out there I didn't realize that you could ever feel like homesick like even that was like a big eye-opener and yeah just working I went to an underprivileged camp so I really wanted to work with like the gritty kids like me but in America it was really great. I would still go. Go do
0: it. Oh, uh, yeah.
1: Listen, go I, and do I, I, it. I don't know in
0: my growing age now if I can do I'm <laughs> America. But it's long days. It's yeah, long yeah. days. That's I, did, I did I did. want to do it when I was in uni at, at one point for a gap year. But just that, you know, sometimes when you're just not around or you're not confident enough to go abroad by yourself, I, I yeah, I didn't really get to do it. But, yeah, you know, I'll live through you. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I did that and then I came back and I was like, oh, how am I gonna actually while I was out in America? I realized this is definitely what I want to do, radio. Um, and I came back and I was like, Oh god, you don't even like none of my family work in media, I had no connect, I didn't know where to start, so I just literally started Googling stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen so the first place I went to was a station called Choice FM, which used to be my favorite station. It's now Capital Extra. Yes. And The timing, like I came back in September and October, they had this project called Music Potential, where you kind of go for a day workshop and you get a taster in the experience. Like workshops are everywhere now, but back then this was like quite rare. Mm -hmm. And so I went to this day workshop and I remember I turned up like half an hour early. I sat at the front of the class, I was really proactive. And at this workshop, I met two people one was a guy called Ray Paul who actually la- helped launch One Extra um, and he was running the workshop and the other was a DJ called Marksy who had a show at the time on Represent Radio and she was like oh you live local because it was it was at the album in Deptford so she, you should check out Represent they're only in Peckham and I was like oh, oh okay yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the, the two moments, it was just a day workshop, but this is why like being proactive and initiative is, is such a thing. If you wanna be successful in this industry because Ray remembered me um, and recommended me to be advanced onto like the week workshop where we got to network with so many more different industry people and get more experience. And that's how I met Kojo and Jade, which is the first proper show that I worked on when they were doing the breakfast show. And uh, Moxie said, contact represent. And I did. And they said, we're not taking any presenters. And I said, well, I just need to be here. So what can I do? And they said, you can be a broadcast assistant, uh, which is basically like the equivalent to a runner in film. You just kind of make notes, do research, like really menial tasks. But I was Mm -hmm. like, I just need to be at a station. So I'll do anything. And that was like the the kind of first pebble in the pond that set the ripples off Mm -hmm. that then... I stayed there for a while, broadcast assistant. Eventually they had a show slot open up that I demoed for. Um, I started doing more like advanced stuff. So moving up between that broadcast assistant to that assistant producer, producer role. And then when I met Coachman Jade, they were like, we need an assistant on breakfast. And at the time there was no money. This is back when you could do four months work experience and not get any money Yeah, yeah. (laughs) before the laws came in. (laughs) So I literally spent four months getting up at like 3.30 in the morning, finishing at like 11 in the morning in central London, rushing to then Queen's Road to do a lunchtime show, 12 till 2. And eventually the producer on the show goes... I can't do this show without you. And I know you're going to give up eventually if we don't start paying you. So (laughs) Uh, I got my first proper like industry job contract. And it was amazing because at the time I was bartending in the evening. So I was doing like these mad 16, 18 hour days, like five Mm -hmm. days a week. But it did pay off. I remember the day I gave him my notice at the the All Bar One in London Bridge and they're like, oh, you have to do this radio thing now, like mocking me. And I was like, yeah, I am. Yeah, See you yeah, later. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was a graph. It was definitely a graph. That four months was like probably the most four intense months of my career. Luckily, I didn't have children then, so I could sleep in between yeah, like, on weekends. But it was a struggle. But I think... That first step was just me being really proactive about networking. When in that situation, making the most, it's all good going to like workshops and stuff. But if you aren't at the front, if you aren't talking to the people organizing it, if you aren't seeming really passionate, then you're just someone else attending the workshop. And I think that's what people forget. They go, oh, yeah, I've been networking, but nothing's happened. But who did you actually speak to Mm -hmm. or Or what did you do to make yourself stand out in that environment? And I think that's what people forget to do. And as you know from our earlier chat, I love meeting people. So for me, that bit was
0: (laughs) easy. And I think um, what you said about the grinding for four months, that's a lot of time to have to go to another job. And bartending, that's quite late shifts, right? So I'm sure your sleeping pattern must have been crazy. But like, what was your motivation? Like what what went through your head mentally that was like, no, I need to keep going?
1: I think it was that that child, back, going back to like when I was a child and being oblivious to like, oh, even though she's not a black woman doing it, I can do it. I was a bit oblivious to the fact that like, like in my head, I'm gonna be the next big presenter soon. So this is temporary. I'm having to do this right now to get the experience. I I mean, it didn't happen as quick as I thought. That was back in 2013. (laughs) But at the time, I was thinking, I'll do this for six months and then I'll be the next big presenter on Capital Extra. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, my motivation was like, this is only temporary. It's going to all pan out. It, It did take, obviously, as you know, a lot longer than that. But... At the time, I was really oblivious to, like, how long it was going to last for. And because I was just in the motion of it, it kind of just became my normal life. Yeah. 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 And do you
0: remember how much you got for that first cheque from them?
1: I wasn't that much, you know. I was only, it was, so I got paid £10 an hour, but I was only contracted to do four hours. So I was only earning about £40 a day. But because I live with my sister, that was okay. Because a week, that would have been like, what? just about £200 a week. Yeah, yeah. So back then when I didn't have like big expenses, it was enough for me to like pay for my travel, have my lunch, you know, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, the day-to-day stuff. But I think that's important yeah. though, in, especially with um, kind of how things are now. We, You know, sometimes we can be chasing money, but... Ultimately, you have to also put in the hard work before you see the fruits of your labor. And I think probably the day and age that we're living in, it, it seems on the surface that things are happening a lot quicker than they are. But in reality, like speaking about your timeline, we're in 2021 now versus how many years ago was that? Do you get what I mean? But yeah. if someone sees you now, they'll just think, oh, yeah, she's doing well. She's, but they don't know the history. And I think that's important for us to always be mindful that nothing happens overnight as much as we desire it to the reality it is not going to be and it, we shouldn't be disheartened when we don't see things happening I think it's just having that mm-hmm. kind of mindset to be consistent because you just don't know when your lucky break's going to come and that day yeah. that you give up could have been the day that that opportunity would have met you so um just to like stay encouraged on the path that we're all on I'm
1: just gonna add to that like I only was completely able to be creative like make money off my creativity I think it was around 2017 so that was four years after I entered the industry for four years I was still even when I started getting that job at Capital Extra there was times where I had to go and pick up a little like shift here doing this or doing that do you know what I mean so to actually be consistently paid for what I love it took me four years so Mm -hmm. yeah it was not like an overnight success story at all
0: even though you just mentioned that then like talk on that in regards to when you got your gig at capital extra when you like for instance you know when you speak to people and and you they know that you're you know you're doing bits because from that again from the outside oh you're working with them you're working with like did you ever feel like uh yeah I'm working with them but I'm not quite where I want to be because ultimately we want to get paid for the things that we love doing and we want to live comfortably so was there ever Mm -hmm. kind of a doubt in your mind that when is this going to kind of like shift where I can actually be comfortable in what I'm doing
1: definitely and I think especially because I kind of straddle the fence between being a producer and being a presenter and in the industry people don't like that they want you to be a clear are you in front of the mic or are you behind the mic like are you talent or are you production And even down to like January this year, I was having a chat with a good friend of mine, Ramel, who's a really successful presenter. And she was, I was like, Ramel, maybe I'm just meant to be a producer. Like this presenter struggle has been, it's come so much harder to me than production and teaching. Um, So even up until like this, this year, (laughs) I've been doubting like, is this really like what I'm meant to do? Because it has come harder. And she just reminded me like, anything that's worth it. It's hard to work. Yeah. Um and also she reminded me that I haven't been consistently pursuing pre- presenting since 2013 because I took that time out to do teaching, I took time out to do production. So she was like, just remember, don't compare yourself to me, because we started around the same time, mm. who's consistently been pursuing one thing. So I think that's important to know as well that yeah, there's gonna be times where you'll feel like this is impossible. This- it's just not going to happen but unless you consistently pursue it it won't happen so it's up to you to like even on them low days just take that day that's fine do you know what i mean being your feelings cry to your friends about the struggles and how hard it is but don't stop like that journey because as soon as you stop then someone else is just going to take that opportunity that was waiting for you
0: yeah so then what 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 kind of like things or What do you do then to kind of keep that motivation? Obviously you spoke about Ramel. For some people, because, you know, sometimes like we don't all have friends or people in the same industry that we're, you know, we're inspiring to step into and succeed. Obviously you've got things like YouTube and stuff like that, but what kind of advice would you give someone to help them even on those down days?
1: I think it's really important to just not disregard those feelings. It's okay for you to feel frustrated. It's okay for you to feel a bit like, this is a struggle. But then also don't forget the highs. Like creativity is such a wave as a career. Like you have days, like I said, with. With Beg and Good, where you're on top of the world, no one can touch you. I'm walking through the training station like I'm flying. Like, and then you have days where you've gone for that gig, you haven't got it, it was your dream gig. Um, and you just want to cry about it, and that's okay. Like, just let those emotions flow and then reassess. I think that's something that creatives do quite often. The most successful ones I know, they kind of stop and reassess like their purpose, their content, where they what are they really trying to get out of this? Because if you're just trying to do it for the money, then you chose the wrong job, man. Go into <laughs> Stocks and Shares or something. <laughs> yeah, that's doing... actually
0: a risky, Stocks and Shares are very risky as well.
1: <laughs> but there's much safer careers. Like teaching yeah. was a much safer career, do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I had yeah. a good annual salary. But if you're doing it because you love what you do, then just find, um, I was reading a book by Charlemagne, you need to find your core again. And like, why you fell in love with this? What made you want to do this? And remember that on those down days. Yeah. Because I've said it um, in other workshops, like, even if I never make it like, I mean like where presenting is my only job, because I still do producing now, teaching, I, I will still present stuff. Even if it's just on my Instagram or whatever mm-hmm. the platform will be in 10 years time. I will still make content because it fills me with such joy making that content. So you just have to really remember your purpose with things while you're doing it, because that is what will keep you motivated. Yeah, that's yeah. true.
0: And as well, I was, what I've looked at, Um, I saw a post the other day on Instagram and it also says what, like what defines success. Cause in different people's eyes, it's, it looks different. Like somebody says success to them is having a certain amount of money, like getting a salary at this level. Whereas in some person, might say satisfaction and or just having like time being able to have time with their family and stuff like that so it just really depends but I feel like because we're in quite a materialistic world where everything is like if you can't see it then you know it's not happening or you're you're not in a certain level I think that's where we battle because naturally we are human and it's it is difficult to go online and see certain things and not feel like oh actually what's going on with me then but I think like you said you've got to dig a bit deeper and find and find a tribe as well find like-minded mm-hmm. individuals online or I don't know that like, you know now they've got clubhouses popping off and all these different platforms um Instagram lives and stuff and people are quite friendly as well like I always say this on the podcast that um, even a lot of the guests that I've had I don't know everybody like obviously we've met before we've crossed paths so it's a bit different but for some people it's the first time I've ever, ever ever spoken to them and just even networking and letting people know what you're doing don't be ashamed to let people know that hey I'm doing this Um, can I can you help me and even if they don't respond like don't take it personal maybe they're just busy or it's just not the right timing I've like watched so many interviews I think Steve-O the other day he was on um, was he on Chucky's podcast and he was talking about when he Messaged um, Adidas um in his kind of early days of the career, but he was doing really well in terms of numbers. And uh, I think he retweeted the tweet, like he was telling them, You need to work with me and stuff. And now he's actually working with them, but he was like reflecting back. He, you know what I mean? And you just think, Yeah, it's yeah. time, it's time and chance. Maybe that's yeah. just the time. Do you get what I mean? But we deep these things as a negative, like, Oh, I'm not good enough, or we take it too literal. But for me, I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's always a challenge. Like, I'm going to show you, I'm coming back. Don't worry. Like, let me go harder until you you see what I'm, I'm really about, you know?
1: Yeah, because considering, so I co-host on One Extra now, the first time I went to One Extra and said, look at me, I'm a presenter, was about six years ago.
0: <laughs> really?
1: So, like, that's a perfect example. And just what you were saying about you don't have the family support, none of my family as i said work in media none of my friends work in media like i mean my core friendship circle and actually i get more support from (laughs) people i've met in the industry as far as sharing my work like my friends are like oh yeah sorry yeah you had a show didn't you like they they're just not in that headspace. they don't get it so yeah i think making a network within like like-minded people is so important because they'll be the ones to like prop you up when you're feeling low especially if your friends and family don't understand
0: yeah and I think you can't rely on your friends and family like we see it all the time like people getting offended that their friends didn't buy their product or didn't support their business obviously we want that support from them because obviously they know their back history they know kind of where we're coming from but ultimately they're not going to be the end consumer and if you actually relied on them uh, your business isn't really going to be that successful because how many friends and family members do we ultimately <laughs> have that are going to keep buying our products or do you know what i mean supporting our things so you, you need to be open to just knowing that strangers and stuff those are your customer base those are that those are your fans those are your supporters and there's nothing wrong with that sometimes just know your friends and family are your friends and family for a reason and outside mm. of that maybe that's just where it stays so yeah i think that comes with a maturity as you, as you develop and grow as an individual but you just mentioned about your bbc one extra gig so yeah let's let's talk on that congratulations on that as well how long have you been doing that now
1: thank you yeah so that was um from september 29 2020 (laughs) (laughs) not that long yeah september 2020 (laughs) yeah um it's because we pitched for it in the beginning of september 2020 like end of 2019 Mm -hmm. which is weird and uh what you're talking about about timing I pitched for that show to be a producer on it because of my experience working with the demographic as a teacher and the the production company and the network, so One Extra and the company who make the show were like, we feel like this needs a female voice on it and you've got experience. So, so it was so mad that like this opportunity presented itself. I was like, oh great, I can produce a new type of show. That should be fun. And then within just like taking the charts on doing something new, a massive presenting opportunity came off the back of it. So, yeah, I've been doing it since September 2020. Um, I'm, I've got, I think, two weeks left before I go maternity. And it's been amazing. It's it's so different to anything I've done before because I've normally done really, like, entertainment, pop culture-type content. And it came at a good time because, obviously, as we know, 2020 was a hard year. Mm. And that was definitely a, um, a moment for me to reassess, like, do I really care about the Kardashians? Do I really care about this new movie, this drop? Like, what do I want to be putting out there as a bit of a role model? Um, And the content I'm making. So I love this show because it's, it's for a Black audience. It's all about um, current affairs and social issues. And it really is kind of like a voice that I feel can relate to a lot of young Black people in the UK. So yeah, I'm really enjoying it.
0: Yeah, because um, it's... It's important, especially when you mentioned like the UK, because a lot of things before this kind of new wave for us, especially being black British, it was always about America. So I think it's nice to actually have a voice and a lot of shows now and a lot of platforms that are speaking from our perspective, because, yes, we can relate because obviously, you know, we're, we're within the same community. But obviously, cultures in different countries vary. So having a voice for us, as, especially even London, because what I'm yeah. from Bristol, like Bristol is different to London. So like what I see in London, I'll be like, no, nah, Bristol's just not the same. Do you get what I'm saying? So even just knowing some, some um, topics might be related even to just the region as well of, yeah. um, of those opinions, but folk about pitching and stuff like that. Yeah, talk us through that process. Like how did you even get into the building and then to get into the position to pitch your idea and that?
1: So if you're trying to get a show to pitch, it depends. If you're if you're pitching yourself as a presenter, then you just need a good show reel, a good press kind of press release that summarizes a few pictures of you because presenting is all about your personality. So you've got to be able to show your personality a few pictures, which I love taking. <laughs> um, <laughs> A little buy about what you've done. In that press release, you can like link it to content online and then get an audio show rule. So if you're trying to pitch yourself as a presenter, get your press release sorted and get an audio show rule. No longer than three minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and make sure the first, like, ten seconds are so captivating. It's your best link ever. Don't put a lot of, like, jingles or sound effects at the beginning. Just start with your voice. But for the Talks gig, that was basically... um Time to time networks, mainly BBC and some podcast companies and some commercial stations, not as common in commercial, but they'll say, Okay, we've got this new show, we've got this budget for it, and they'll open it up to like production companies that are independent, and you'll cut it's kind of like a little battle of who's gonna win the show. Um, and so a former student of mine, look at this connecting the dots. <laughs> A former student of mine from the Roundhouse got in touch and said, we're going to pitch to still basically One Extra Talks off the current production company. And I think you'd be really great as a producer on this. And I was like, oh, thanks for thinking of me. Because I, I was like full in on teaching at this time. Like I, I wasn't thinking about going back into the industry yet. And so I had a chat with his exec. It's kind of how it sounds, as in you like put together a little presentation about what you think would make a good show, what you change about the show. And within those conversations, that's when it came up that this show needs a co-host and it needs a female co-host. Um, and it was actually, a, I don't know if I should say this, but it was actually a budget thing where they were like, I don't know if we've got the budget to pay a female co-host, but because you bring the producer experience you can also co-host within your salary as okay. part of your role mm-hmm. so that's that's another point where that like being like multi-skilled within your area is can pay off because if i wasn't also a producer i wouldn't have been able to fill that position And then when we pitched it to the network, luckily Janine and Mark, who was the head of network at the time, and Janine, who was the editor on it, had come across my previous like presenting history through my own work that I'd put out, like my podcasts and my Mm -hmm. content online and even my previous radio experience. And so they were like, yeah, Charlotte could do this actually i've I've seen her stuff. She came into the building six years ago, so she's obviously been like consistent with the presenting, yeah, and um, so it was a combination of my production experience. Uh, my network, getting me like in the room and also all my presenting experience to up to that point was recognised in that moment. And it's wild because that's not the traditional route to get on the network. It's usually you send in your showreel and then you kind of they go, oh, yeah, we like you. And they, they'll call you into that, like, do a demo show, like which is like a practice show to see what you sound like. But I didn't have to do any of that stressful stuff. <laughs> I just convinced them that I was good enough to like produce it and present it, which is amazing.
0: I see. That's when your network is your net worth, because that's where you yeah. that came into place. Who you know as well sometimes, especially in uh, these kind of industries, it's good to. Be, it's good in life to be good with people because you just don't know where someone's going to be tomorrow because imagine if you was a teacher and someone mm-hmm. was like that horrible teacher and you wouldn't have even known that that student could have been someone to help you later in life so there you go
1: definitely yeah. something someone told me in my first few months working in the industry is be nice to the intern be nice to the security guard be nice to the cleaners because you just never know. like my student literally got me in the room someone who I was teaching and I've seen it even like with uh Capital Extra the intern at Capital Extra became the head of the station at Capital Extra and imagine if I was like oh I don't need to impress him we're on the same level he's not going to do anything for me do you know what I mean so just yeah just carry yourself with some humility sometimes you know not everyday diva
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's so true it's so true so um like what kind of advice then would you give to someone who's trying to get into the industry
1: I would say and this is like said a lot but I think it's really uh, overlooked start by just making your own content there's so many people I know who because of like how things go viral because of YouTube because of socials have managed to like get opportunities based on content they just made in their bedroom. Mm -hmm. Like uh, your phone now is such a powerful uh, device. You have things like Zoom, where you can like make your podcast. During lockdown last year, I used, um, so I sit in my wardrobe. It's not a big wardrobe, like it's literally a double wardrobe. (laughs) I clear out all the stuff at the bottom, set up my little mic and my headphones, and that's how I recorded my podcast. And um, that podcast, uh, got me a meeting with someone who's about to be the heads of sounds at BBC because he heard it and he was like oh this is good and he got in touch so it's like I, if you see me sweating in my wardrobe making this little podcast <laughs> <laughs> but like just use your resources around you to make the best content you can obviously it's not going to be like people are so worried about oh it's not per- perfect but actually people just want stuff now they're just we're so bored we just want to like get content all the time so yeah. the, the first one would be make content the second one would be also look at the kind of the brands you envision yourself working with and look at the type of content they create do you know what I mean because there's no point you thinking oh I'd really love to work with um vice and then you're doing really fluffy kind of daytime entertainment like e4 content so know the brand you want to work for and align yourselves with them in the sense that you make similar content to what they make because you want to make it as well not because you want to work for that brand so pick brands that align well with you and tag them in your stuff as well send them stuff I've always just randomly like obsessing like with people in the dms don't overdo it like if you if you message them twice and they don't reply like leave it yeah Cause <laughs> you're just gonna get blocked <laughs> but sometimes they will they will reply to you or like what i do is i'll find out the name of someone who's in, actually in charge of like talent for that brand like mm-hmm. through linkedin linkedin's a great resource because you can just type in any brand and it you can put people and all the people who work there come up and then you find out the name of that person and then you start following them on socials and liking a few of their posts and they go oh and then when you've done something that you're really proud of you go look what i've done and you yeah, send it yeah. to them <laughs> so it's like even though we're not physically out with people do that networking online like find people on linkedin find people on socials send them some of your best work uh, talent agencies and stuff and like brands are always looking to break the new thing so mm-hmm. if you think that's you then don't be afraid to send your stuff and one other tip I don't like sharing it too much I'm not gonna lie because I feel like it's really clever but like whenever I'm approaching a brand that I know get floods of emails um in the subject box it's a bit cheeky like for example if I wanted to talk to uh, radio one I would put in the subject radio one presenter because what I'm telling them is when they see that email, they're thinking someone's messaging us about Radio One presenter. Oh, my God, what's this? So they open the uh, email. Oh,
0: like you're tricking them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then when they read the email, they realize, oh, this is someone who wants to be a Radio 1 presenter. Mm. But the first four, when you, you know how a subject like a get friend. you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, what's happened with one of our Radio 1 presenters? Yeah. So, yeah, what you put in the subject, don't make it generic, make it really specific. Mm. Um, when I was trying to look for like support from like agencies and stuff, I would title the subject, BBC Radio One Extra Presenter, because that at the moment is my biggest like selling point. Mm. So either use a big selling point, like if you made like some really amazing content or you've aligned with a brand and you want to reach out to another brand or talk to their, like, their actual team, like as if you're talking about someone already employed by them, just so they get that, oh, I need to open this email rather than, oh, it's just another demo. Like if you put in the subject box, Radio Presenter Demo, they're just going to be like, okay, yeah, we'll look at when we get to
0: yeah. mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's 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 helpful. Maybe I might have to use that as well. <laughs> use it, use
1: it. Just don't tell everyone. Only if you listen to the no, podcast, I'm not, gonna, I'm
0: not gonna, I'm not gonna put this episode out now, you know. <laughs> I'm joking. But um also, you know, you obviously spoke about earlier you're obviously expecting um a new bundle of joy and you're already the mother of um a beautiful daughter. So what's your experiences like obviously having children, especially in this industry? For other women, um, you know, people, even, you know, dads as well, they might, you know, have childcare and all these kind of things. Yeah, what kind of advice can you share? Do
1: you know what? To be 100% honest, and it's even been in these last couple of weeks where I'm getting really tired now and I just want to go on maternity leave. Mm. People will, um, to your face, and, like, they will they will make you feel like they understand and they're caring and they're considerate, but... The reality is, and this happened in like two weeks ago, when there's a deadline, there's a deadline. And if you want to prove that basically being a mom isn't going to impact you as an employee or as a talent or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you have to just like sometimes make sacrifices that make you feel like a terrible person sometimes. Like there's days where I've been in my like little home Bedroom office all day, and I haven't seen my daughter. And she comes in and she's like, Mommy, what are you doing? And I feel horrible having to be like, I'll go away, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But like, I'm thinking of the long term goal, Mm. I don't want her to have to do that when she's a mum. I want her to be so financially stable that she can choose, oh yeah, I'm going to take my maternity from when I'm seven months and chill and not worry about it. So there's just a lot of sacrifice. There's a lot of mum guilt. There's a lot of people, even parents, who i think oh you should understand your parent who don't understand Mm. um and they have the industry so cutthroat and so competitive that they have their agenda and you being a mom or being pregnant is just impacting what they've got to get done Mm. um so it hasn't been easy i think definitely make the most of time off and be really strict with your time off because it's really easy and um this type of industry that's almost like a 24-7 machine you get emails at four in the morning to just always be on alert but actually Mm. I put my foot down outside my working hours as far as no I'm not working like I'll get back to you when I get back to you and I've had I've had uh, line managers call me because I've not responded to an email and I'm not at work and I'm like I'm with my child, sorry. Yeah. So do set those boundaries, but also know that when there's like really high intense deadlines or crunch periods, and you'll know, you'll know because you know your job, sacrifices will have to be compromised a little bit of your time if you want to keep moving up. And I did find out I'm getting a pay rise, so it was worth (laughs) it. (laughs) Um, But like, yeah, you just have to kind of come into it knowing that you may... You may have some mum guilt, and you may have to make sacrifices, but know why you're doing it. As long as you know that it's because you're trying to provide something for your children, for their future, then that will kind of keep you going. Because it, yeah, it does. It really gets me sometimes. That I'm like, oh, I, I thought I'd be such a more full-on mum, and actually, I'm quite. A, my life's quite. that word when it's like all in little boxes? I've had to do that and it's it's harder while she's younger I think as she gets older it'll be easier because my work all around her school timetable Mm. but right now pandemic she's not in nursery
0: she's at home yeah
1: I'm so blessed that like I have a husband because there's mums out here doing it solo
0: yeah
1: um so to, I salute you mums because wild, I don't know how you do it. Um at least I have someone I can kind of work in shifts with. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, that support system. Mm.
1: But just try find that balance. It's not easy. It's not easy. It is I'm still learning and I'm about to have two relax. So
0: <laughs> <mom talking> <laughs> More scheduling. Just Try and find yeah. some balance. But yeah. do you have that kind of that FOMO feeling, like that fear of missing out now that you're gonna have to step? back into like you know being a full well you're a full-time mom regardless but you know you're you're not going to be working for a little while do you does that go through your mind or do you just feel like it is what it is like when I go back I'll that's you know I'll get back on with where I've like stopped
1: I had it a lot worse with River, my daughter now than I do this time this time I'm like I am taking a chill. Like, I've even debated about if I'm going to, like, on socials. You know, people going, be right back. I like, yeah. don't expect <laughs> nothing from me. Like, so I don't even have that pressure. Delete the apps off my phone. Because with River, and it was partly because of financial reasons, and now I'm a bit more stable. Mm-hmm. But three days after she was born, I went and filmed something. Mm. I was at the house for, like, three hours. I breast-pumped all my milk for her. But when I look back on it, I'm like, you gave birth three days ago. Like, why are you leaving your house? Yeah. But it was that pressure of, I've got to keep, I, I've got to show people that, like, becoming a mom isn't going to affect me as a presenter. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think now I'm more financially stable. I'm more secure in, like, the roles I've got. And so I don't have that same panic. So I can imagine for anyone who's, like, just starting to build up the momentum of their career and then has to take a step away to be a parent. It's very, it's very scary, um, especially because of how fast-paced the industry moves. Every day something new is happening mm. and you do get that fear of like, oh, I should have, th- I missed this opportunity. But um, something my therapist said to me, I lucked out workplace for some free therapy since <laughs> last year. But um, something she said is like, your industry there's always opportunities that's what we have to remember mm. so you may miss out on an opportunity that to you seems like the dream opportunity but don't think that's going to be the last one because you was being a parent so yeah trying to keep that in the back of my mind as well
0: yeah that's actually a good point I'm gonna use that myself because it's true you always think that's going to be the opportunity of the life of your lifetime and then that's it once that door closes like life is over um so yeah it's true and the world is ticking even in covid like people are even people's successes are happening now and probably if we was all out some people wouldn't even be where they are right now like when you think of some people's youtube channels are taking off Mm. because everyone's at home and podcasts and all these things so yeah um it's true that's actually a really valid point i wanted to speak on you said about your um podcast and also you're the founder of odd motion so could you just like tell us about those things and where people can you know find it
1: yeah so odd motion was born from charlotte discovers which was like a showcase um a feature I used to do on my radio show which was all about putting on new talent and then I kind of combined that with all my teaching experience so it's like an online service um it's for people who basically want experience aren't maybe in the age bracket to get like free training, don't want um, to do like a big 10 grand a year uni course, but need like some proper expertise, Services, so it's everything from like a one to one consultations. There's like videos on there that you can read, like training videos, and then you get like a chat with me afterwards. PR services, so I've just finished like one of my clients' press releases, um, and it's all like a I've really bear in mind like the cost of these things. Mm. So on average, if you're an artist to get a press release, you're gonna be paying like two three hundred pounds I do it and I send it out to my networks for like I think it's 40 pounds or something so I'm really conscious of like just not giving away my time yeah because I don't have much of it but also being really considerate of like I know it, it's like starting out, and actually 40 pounds is like just about affordable do you know what I mean yeah. so yeah. so I've took that into consideration and I also do a lot of just free workshops and panels and stuff anyways that you can always check out I always promote them on there uh, but it's if you want really one-to-one time with me to like on a specific skill within radio we've got a big team so there's like I focus on like the radio and the music side of things then I've also got like a whole team dedicated to visuals like film and photography and stuff so there's like lots of good stuff if you want to get into me yeah sounds good and then Badass Mums is just a passion project that formed off the back of me being a working mom. Uh, We've built a little community. It is now a private page because I post a lot of children on there and there's too many weirdos in the world. Yeah. But um, the podcast is public and then we try and post as much content as possible to kind of like motivate our mums. But you'll see it's... I'm a working mom, so it's an inconsistent page, <laughs> but it's always like love on there. There's yeah. always a lot of love from the community on there, and from like things I post, it's always to really just encourage and motivate uh, working moms. Yeah.
0: So, what are the socials for those those projects?
1: So, badass moms is at badass moms with a U because we're, we're in the UK mm-hmm. and uh, Oddmotion is at Oddmotion Media or you can go to oddmotionmedia.com.
0: Okay. So, dead yeah, guys, definitely check that out. There's some useful resources there. And just on a final note then, if you was to give your younger self any advice, what would it be?
1: Definitely to just have more self-confidence Um, I think people look at me now and they're like, yeah, she's so confident. And I get loads of compliments about my hair or whatever. But I think growing up, I was such a tomboy. So I had a lot of uh, people always commenting on my appearance a lot, a lot, especially because I had a lot of brothers. People just thought I was like the seventh brother. (laughs) But I wasn't. I was (laughs) the first daughter. Um, And I think I really let peer pressure and people's comments um as a young female get into my head a lot and it's it's only been in the last couple of years with like working on myself that I've found my own beauty in myself and mm. it sounds a bit shallow but actually when you feel self-confident like everything else kind of just falls into place mm. and I think that's important and then one other thing I'll make it quick comparing yourself I talk about this a lot on my Instagram like i I'm really bad at comparing myself to others. And I think that links to the self-confidence to just like own your source. Like, don't worry, you're unique. You was here on this planet to be you. So don't compare yourself to anyone else or anyone else's journey because we're all individuals.
0: Yes, that was a word. I have to give you some clicks there. (laughs) (laughs) That was definitely a word. Yeah. So guys, it has actually, before we, before we end no where can we find your socials because if any obviously I know you've got on maternity but just in case you've got some time and people want to send you some like questions about stuff where can they find you
1: yeah everything is at charlotte tahira uh you probably won't be able to spell it so I hope you'll be in the description, yeah, somewhere. The
0: description don't worry
1: <laughs> but it's all at charlotte tahira um and yeah even though I'm going on maternity ironically I've filmed some stuff that's going to come out while I'm on maternity. Okay. So there will be things up there, but don't be fooled. I am like in pajamas breastfeeding and changing (laughs) bumps.
0: You'll be probably using an app or something that will just pre-schedule your post, right? i don't even know if i do that
1: (laughs) but you'll be seeing me tagged in stuff okay okay
0: okay fair enough (laughs) well guys don't forget you can find me at it's cc podcast on instagram i do have twitter i'm not really good with twitter but on ig i'm active so you can definitely find me there don't forget to follow the podcast on all known streaming platforms And also for a chance to be in the upcoming episode of Ask the Coach, you can send me your career related questions. So be sure to keep checking in. Got some more guests for you, more tips and advice. So guys, until next time.